Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Hello, and welcome back to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Corey, and I'm here with my wonderful co-hosts, Kelly and Allie. Hey, I'm Hello. Allie. I'm Kelly. So, important question for you both. Have you ever judged a book by its cover? Today, (laughs) we have a very exciting episode to kick things off. We want to talk about how with picture books, you often can judge a book by its cover. Ooh, controversial. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely something that I do on the regular if i am if i'm going to be buying a book the cover is sometimes the only deciding factor for me yeah especially when you're shopping online like how else do you judge a a picture book especially there's usually not super detailed information on on you know the the online bookstore uh about what's inside you don't get a view of what's inside the book so you're you're going on the cover and a couple of reviews and with picture books especially their their covers are designed to give you what you need to make a purchasing decision that's that's what they're trying to do i mean for older books that's probably not recommended (laughs) although i i am uh guilty of buying most of my adult novels entirely based on their covers until recently when i um got a an e-reader i was kind of late on that wagon and um, now I find it really hard to tell from the Kindle store if I'm going to like it or not based on the picture because it's black and white and they're like this big, which is very small. You can't see my fingers. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I have to read a synopsis or a review now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely browse for, for eBooks like Overdrive or the Libby app through the library. And there's very little information and there's, no reviews really of any of the books there so i'm basing my decisions on what i'm borrowing entirely on the cover and uh you know i do definitely read the reviews as what after browsing for covers um for audiobooks though because there's a lot of uh good information that you can get out of a review of an audiobook but uh but i'm browsing covers on those stores because i don't feel like there's any other way to tell and honestly, I don't really read ebooks unless I get specific PDFs from the publishers. I'm way more likely to read a physical book than to seek out an e-reader or an audiobook. Uh, but when I do read a PDF, I for sure look at the cover and sort of how it, see how it plays into the storylines and the information that they put on the flaps. Yeah. So, you know, I'm definitely a big audiobook fan. As I said, like, you know, as a as a parent, I feel like sometimes it's the only way that I can download information into my brain because focusing on a black and white paper page just feels too big sometimes. So that's how I keep up my my reading is with audiobooks. Um, but on to the next thing. 
when we are talking about adult novels, as, as we have been, um, I was very interested to find out quite some time back on a blog, I'm sure I'll never find again, that a lot of cover designers for um, adult market novels uh, have never read the book. They're given um, a synopsis, they're given ideas, and then they design a series of covers that are then picked out essentially by a marketing team. It's, it's a completely different process than, than what we see with children's books. That's really true. And I actually was talking about this with um, my brother-in-law who illustrates children's books recently. And he was saying that when it comes to designing children's books, the whole thing is done as more of a conversation between the illustrator and the author to make sure that they're getting the right feel. So with, with children's books especially, it's easier to make a more accurate judgment based on the cover. Whereas with an adult book, I mean, if, if the illustrator hasn't even read it, how could they possibly know what kind of feel or what, what the story really is about? And, and often with the adult books, the covers just get changed over and over again with different editions if it's been successful if there's a movie or a tv show then they usually put that on the cover which to me is a really big turnoff if i see a tv show picture on a, a novel i'm thinking mm, i don't know why don't i just watch the tv show you know I'm not a fan of movie covers on books. Even if I want to read a book after the movies come out or something, I, I go and look for the original cover. I do think it's really interesting, though, that with picture books, the cover is often the first part of the book that's designed after it's written. And like you were saying, Allie sort of turns into a conversation between the author and the illustrator, which I think overall makes for a better product. Also, I'm interested too, Ale, uh, what are some things that draw you in about a book? Uh, so for, for me, when I'm picking um, a, a kid's book out by the cover, color is definitely the first thing that attracts me. So some books, they set the whole tone for their stories, sort of aesthetic based on the colors that are chosen. So with some books like The Giving Tree, for example, I'm sure that, that you immediately thought of the bright green image. Um, the color was a big part of, of what's attracting you and what's setting it apart. Or books like Olivia, where they've taken out certain colors. So that one is like a red and black, for example. And mm -hmm. yep. the choices that they make really affect sort of the overall ambiance of the style. So when I'm talking about ambiance, I mean, when you look at an image, what kind of feeling are the elements of that image evoking? So for example, Peter Rabbit, Winnie the Pooh, and Brandy Hedge are all sort of of a similar ambiance. They have that sort of watercolor, teapots, frilly, pansies kind of feel and it's very different kind of general energy than a super modern clean line bold colors book and it it definitely maybe attracts different kinds of people as well and you know the frilly teapot watercolor classic winnie the pooh style peter rabbit is not my aesthetic i immediately associate it in my mind when i see it on a cover with something that's sort of 
out of date. So I, that is a style that would turn me off right away if I saw it on a cover. I agree with you, Kelly. I am not interested in that style with the teapots and the lace. It just reminds me of how clumsy I am and how I can't be around delicate things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) the next thing I wanted to chat about and consider is sort of the type and the font, meaning books that rely almost entirely on the font and the text and don't have any illustrations. Uh, Books like This Is Not a Box, The Book With No Pictures, um, which I actually think is a strategy that can work really well if it's well done. But if it's not truly engaging to the kids, then it's gonna be a total flop. thinking about when I was a classroom teacher, the book with no pictures was a massive hit. And I think it's because it uses the authority of the person reading out loud in a group, like a teacher or a librarian, and to get them to say super extra silly things. And that's what keeps all the kids engaged is the desire to sort of see what the person in charge is going to say that's just so ridiculous next and that really is the height of six-year-old comedy where you're saying something that is obviously not true and i think that part of why kids enjoy that sort of humor so much as like an observation is that they feel like they're in in control more they understand what the real answer is. And it's a bit of a flip of who has the authority. The kids know the answer and the teacher doesn't. And it's just something that kids love being part of. They laugh so hard. They're, everybody is engaged. And for that reason, I actually think those books are all wonderful. But from the perspective of do I actually like the aesthetic? I I don't. It it does not entice me to pick them up, but I do know that the effect is really successful. But from the viewpoint of looking at the cover of a book like the book with no pictures, um, you know, I that is a book that the first time I saw it on the shelf, I was like, I have to know what's in there because it's just that white cover with black text, and and it makes such a statement. This book has no pictures. It's like what do you mean it has no pictures? What is a picture book without pictures? So, you know, from a cover aspect of judging that book, I was immediately drawn to it. So I think that's something really important about a book like that. So, and, and what is so successful about that particular book? I was just going to say that, that it definitely tells you a lot about that book, that cover with no pictures. It's a bold statement. And it tells you, okay, what am I expecting when I buy this book? It's probably going to be funny it's probably going to be edgy they might break the fourth wall these are things that you can expect when you see a cover like that and and it helps you make that decision pretty accurately i think yeah definitely yeah that's a good point ally great point amazing point yeah um so one of the other things that i think we all agree on is that the quality of um printing and binding is something that makes a massive difference when you're looking at a book on a shelf and and that's sometimes the deal breaker for me when i'm looking at a book on the shelf if i'm going to decide that i'm actually going to make the investment and and put it on our bookshelf permanently um when i see a book that's really well constructed 
quality paper, mixed materials, you know, um, holographic parts, things like that. I'm like, wow, there's been a, a greater attention to detail here. It's a well-crafted um, binding, like that matters to me. Definitely. I, I have to say that that is one element of whether or not we really enjoy a book long-term, whether we pick it up long-term, that people often overlook. They think, well, if the illustrations are good and the story is good, that's it. But it's really more complicated than that because the feeling of the book, whether it gets ripped easily, does it go, like, where do you put it? Is it just get thrown in a basket because it's a floppy book? You're not going to pick that up again. So, you know, some, some publishers really put a lot of attention to that, like a Cottage Door Press, which is a, is a fairly small operation. You don't see tons of books coming out by them. But when you, what you do see is always quality work which I really appreciate. Yeah, I also think that books like that really help extend the life of a book in a classroom too, because if you have 20 kids reading the same book every day, it's going to get absolutely destroyed in a couple months. So having a book that really was well-made and it'll stick around for a long time is something that a lot of teachers take into consideration as well. To me also, you know, a sense of intrigue or action and unusualness are really important to me in a book because it leads us to boldness, a bold cover for, for me and I think for a lot of people is, is so important. And when I say bold, I mean making new choices with materials, making new choices with style or lack of picture and one of the wonderful things about children's literature as a genre is the ability for creators to really play with the boundaries that you don't see necessarily in, in every genre of writing or art. Um, and since really children's literature became its own genre in the Victorian period with books like Alice in Wonderland and, and all of the works by Beatrix Potter. Um, that was really the start of children's literature becoming its own artistic area and one where people could, could really play with it and make bold statements that no one else had done before. And it, it really pays off sometimes. And it elevates um, children's literature from just a story to a, a wonderful and unique piece of art. Not that every book is a statement and a bold, unique piece of art, but there definitely are wonderful examples. So, you know, there's some really classic examples where the art and the style and the choices made by um, the author or the illustrator were really cutting edge for its time. And Ezra Jack Keats is going to be one of the most to me, important examples of that um, back in the 1960s, they were they were bold, they were simple, and and he made a choice that was, uh, you know, out of the question um, for for most um, authors of that time, which was um, putting a black child as the protagonist. Um, it had virtually never been done in mainstream publishing at that time, so things like that, and 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 having that choice um that black character on the cover uh was groundbreaking and incredibly bold for the time and i feel like with jack ezra keats books 
the style has not aged for me. When I look at a snowy day or a whistle for Willie, I don't think, oh, it's a classic book. I think, wow, that is a gorgeous book. It doesn't even, like it really aged well because you can't even, you can't even tell that it was made in the 60s. There are other examples where they didn't age quite so quite so well <laughs> yeah and like court yeah corduroy and and all the Ezra jack keats books like they're they're so classic they just transcend time so yeah mm-hmm. i agree and i think some other sort of bold and unique choices that in some cases have really sparked a trend in children's illustration would be uh, individuals like Eric Carle, you know, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, you know, we're still reading those today. We read them when I was a child. We'll, we're still reading them today. And especially Margaret Wise Brown, who did Goodnight Moon, um, which I think, you know, could be a very divisive book to some people. It's mm-hmm. arguably kind of weird, but definitely memorable. Um, although I think some people just think that it's our modern sensibilities who feel that it's just kind of weird. Definitely a controversial book. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. Some people are very protective of Margaret Weiss Brown's, uh, about the style of that book, everything about that book, whereas other people find it garish and unsettling. I'm kind of on the fence. I can appreciate it. And my kids actually really like it, or my younger one does. Um, but it, it has sort of an eerie quality, definitely. Why is there a bowl yeah. full of mush? I don't know. <laughs> and why do and we need to say goodnight to it? It's also <laughs> definitely been repeated and, you know, taken on way different themes as well. So it is iconic, you know, however mm-hmm. we feel about it. Um, mm-hmm. I really think an artist that is setting a trend in art in books right now is Christian Robinson, who did books like Another, the recently published You Matter, Gaston, you know, he's just so good. He has quite a catalog too of work and I just, that's, he's one person that I just feel like nobody can really touch him in terms of what he's accomplishing and what he's uh, putting out there and the style. And it's so unique and so beautiful. And, and I'm just, I'm very excited to see where he continues to go in children's literature. Definitely. He's definitely somebody who I would like to visit his dreams because they are probably wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot that's, that's going into all of the different aspects of what makes a cover. So color, the ambiance. But what is it that tells us immediately when we look at that cover, what is going to be on the inside? Because really, we are making inferences from that cover. And that is why we're purchasing the books or borrowing them from the library. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I am always when I'm browsing for a book, I'm looking for characters and themes that are unfortunately out of the ordinary to jump out at me on the cover I want to see a girl in space I want to see two grandpas I want to see a boy in a dress I want to see um BIPOC characters that are playing or exploring or adventuring or you know more space more dinosaurs but you know I want to see I want to see something I don't expect on the cover and uh you know I want to I want to get away from the bears so I'm looking for humans doing cool stuff I have to say that 
for you, it's more like what subject matter do you see uh, that is telling you about the story? And and for me, I'm not as focused on exactly what things are happening or who is in the story. For me, it's more about the general feeling and the ambiance that the cover is evoking. So does it invite me into the world in whatever way? Is there something about the feeling of the different artistic elements that is making me think that I I really want to see what's going to happen. It doesn't really, it could be about anything. It could be about, I don't know, puppies and in teapots. You know what I mean. It's, it's just really for me about how it's done and less about what it's about. I think I'm kind of with Kelly on this one where I want to see individuals on the cover that are smashing stereotypes. I want to see a beautiful font, but that's it's still easy to read for kids. You know, I want to see a cohesive color scheme to really draw me in and see something that I didn't expect to see and which would make me want to open it. Yeah. And it's like, no, I don't want to see Comic Sans on the cover. So, you know, I want a great font. I want, I want, I want that font to make a statement. I want the colors to set a mood. Like the art style is obviously so important, but I also want to see a statement made about what's inside to tell me something and that, and you have to see part of the subject represented in that image on the cover to know that. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. that's definitely part of it and there are definitely certain subjects that if I see it I'm going to be way more likely to to grab it I just I'm open to any kind of subject if that cover is really really doing it justice if it's really different and unique and it feels like a place that I want to visit for me that's going to sell me that book personally regardless of, of anything else so so the cover it's supposed to be enticing it's supposed to make you want to open the book and all of the design choices made are trying to invite you into the world of that story it's trying to make you interested it's trying to intrigue you um everything else that they put on the back or or in the jacket reviews uh illustrator author info is is just added um, to try and get you to to buy the book and to take it home with you and to open it up. I'm admittedly quite drawn to seeing a medal on the cover too. If I can see a Stonewall Award or a Caldecott Medal or Coretta Scott King, I'm like, I'm there. I'm like, I need to know why this got that medal. There's got to be something interesting going on here and I need to know more about it. So I have to agree. Um, even when we pick books at night, whenever River brings one that has a medal on it, she's like, look, mom, this is going to be good. There's a medal. They only give that to the good books. So it does have that feeling like somebody's done the, the research for you and you're like, oh, well, then this, this has to be good. Uh, unless it's a medal that someone invented for themselves, which actually happened one time to us. So we, we will probably be talking a lot about the self-publishing industry and so if you know anything about that there are sort of two streams or two paths that you can go in publishing either a publishing house um, big or small will take your book and they'll make it but some people 
they decide to publish their own book for a variety of reasons. Now, those people also market their own books, and we get a lot of requests. And uh, there was one person who gave themselves an award. Uh, I don't remember. It was like the best book award, but it was like clearly it was just like it was like number one best book or something. It was it, it was, was such an outrageous statement that it didn't even make any sense. And it was like, I mean, you not. could just take the clip art of a medal and toss it on any book if you want to, but that really doesn't make any sense. It, it was it was definitely the highlight of my week. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. number one best book i it's like a number one best dad or something you get on someone's mug that <laughs> like a is, mug yeah that is not how this works so i uh, guess in in summary uh we shouldn't hardline judge people by what they look like the first time we meet them but is it okay for a book i think so and I also think that varies so widely for everyone. Um, like, based on who I am as a human, I'm way less likely to pick up a book covered in blonde princesses riding pink unicorns. Um, I would buy that book. <laughs> <laughs> which also leads me to the question for you both. What about the trends that we see in artistic styles, do you think that impacts us on if we buy a book or not, if it's in a trendy style? Well, first of all, I just want to say that if that princess was riding that pink unicorn in outer space and fighting for her rights, I'm buying that book immediately. But uh, yes, I do think there's definite trends in artistic styles and, and I get drawn into them as well. And sometimes it just signals to my brain that it's new and it's different. And okay, why is everybody kind of getting into this one trend in this one style or color palette? And, you know, I just, I want to know more about it. It draws me in. I do have a bit of a, uh, a fascination with seeing what's new because I feel like the art form of picture book just keeps elevating itself so I always want to know what's new and different I have to say um I am not always attracted by what is super duper trendy especially if I've already seen it done a few times so in what we do with reviewing books we see a lot of books and if I see certain trends and they keep on happening I'm kind of over it I I like to see people doing their own thing and and maybe not always completely on trend and and this you know applies to a lot of the subjects that we see so right now there's like a lot of unicorns and avocados or unicorns eating avocados or unicorns and avocados I don't know just there's a lot and it doesn't always draw me in just because I know that it is trendy I I like to see something different yeah, I think I would be more interested in in an art style trend rather than a subject matter trend. No, that, of course. <laughs> yeah. I know that's yeah. what you mean. It's just hard to explain when we talk about trends in, in art styles, but definitely like certain colors and certain blocky shapes, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on pure white right now is super in, which actually I like a lot. It's easy to really... Um, know what you're looking at especially for small children it's it's punchy i like that but i also really do appreciate people that are just coming out with their own thing too that they just don't care what's happening Um, absolutely but what do we do when 
um, the cover doesn't match the inside. And I know Ally has an opinion on this. So I'm going to let her run with this. Oh, yeah. So this is something that sometimes does happen where for whatever reason, when they've published a book, they have made the decision to create a cover that is not in keeping with what you're actually going to see on the inside of the book. So they'll they'll make the style more ornate or more colorful or, or whatever decisions that you look at that cover and you think, wow, that looks great. And then you open it up and you're like, this is not the same book. And that actually happened to us um, with one, one book that I won't name uh, last year where we got this beautiful book and we're like, wow, it looks gorgeous. And then we opened it up. And it was like done by a completely, it looked like it had been done by a completely different person. And the effect was disappointing to say the least. And it felt a little bit like they were trying to trick us. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was, it was shocking to see, you know, one style on the cover and a completely different style on the inside. And a very beautifully laid out cover and then on the inside it was more like boxes with text on a white background and and it was it, it, there was this disconnection that i think didn't allow us to fully appreciate what the book was because we were so focused on what we thought it was going to be it was very distracting uh and and that really goes to show how much we do rely on the cover that that when we had this one example of a book that did not sort of produce what was promised on the inside that you had seen on the cover that we were so fixated on this incongruency that we really couldn't focus on anything else so so normally we do see a cover that is a pretty good indicator of what you are going to find which is why judging books by covers good idea yeah, I really think that there's something to be said about our personal experiences influencing what sparks us and draws us into a book. Since we're all visually driven in different ways and picture books are, I mean, definitely a visual medium. And like that, on that note, that kind of brings us full circle to the beginning of our discussion. Uh, you know, Allie is a little bit more into that Peter Rabbit, Brambley Hedge aesthetic than I am. And I definitely have more of an aesthetic preference to things that are more modern, uh, a bit more out there, mixed materials. You know, I want to see something different, new, modern. And, you know, I, I have to say my impression of Corey is always going to be that she gravitates to a cover with a strong central character or space and dinosaurs, but always space. Or bugs. It's a nice or bug bugs. Yeah, definitely bugs. Absolutely. You're not wrong. I am. Uh. <laughs> I think that we we actually in some ways are looking for covers that speak to who we are inside you know it means a lot that that we're looking for covers that are are drawing us in who we are like for me I am a very old lady who likes stories and lace on the inside although I do like more modern books in general I don't just collect watercolor books about mice with teacups i i could also go for the modern the bold i i just when it comes to the books that really hold my heart it's it's those books those are where i want to be 
And, you know, I know you always like a book with a scary theme, too. And and so, you know, it, you, you have a variety of different moods that you like. And, I mean, I think we all do. But, you know, there's certain things that, that fall into this, like, I have to have it category and other things that are, like, yeah. just okay. So, and, you know, as you've said many times, a book with a ghost is always going to pull you in. Oh, we love ghosts. And, you know, some people think that it's, it's too early, you know, River is, is four now. And we've been reading scary stories since, whew, since she was two or three. And she just loves it. I don't think it's too scary. I think it builds character. I mean, maybe she'll sleep with me until she's 15. But <laughs> building character. <laughs> well, friends, I don't think we can uh, do any better than that. So... I think I just want to thank you for being here. And I also want to thank our listeners and ask them to sound off in the comments with their opinions and your own opinions about judging a book by its cover. We want to thank you in general for joining us on this episode of the Picture Books to Gang podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Picture Books to Gang and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to drop us a note and let us know. What are you reading?